0: Hello there Welcome to Out to Lunch, where we take big names for a slap-up meal and chew the fat, as well as the protein fibre and any other food groups. My guest today is a Malaysian-born stand-up comedian now based in the UK. In the summer of 2020, he went viral with his character Uncle Roger, a middle-aged Asian man responding virulently to a travesty of an egg-fried rice cooking video. The videos that have followed have helped him amass views on his YouTube channel measured in the hundreds of millions. His stand-up show was nominated for the Best Newcomer Award at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival Festival in 2019 and he made his TV debut in 2018 on Comedy Central and has appeared on various panel shows including Mop the Week. Today we talk about the highs and lows of internet fame, working with Gordon Ramsay and what it's like when people dress up as you at Halloween. It's Nigel Ong. And just to say there is some uh, adult language from the outset of this podcast, we bleeped the first naughty word there to give you time to get your headphones on, but after that brace yourselves, it's a free for all. My agent at the time sent the video to Jamie's team. They said what she heard back was,
1: oh, we saw the video, and the quote was, mixed reactions from the team. Mixed so. reactions from the team. And we all know that's a British way of calling someone a yeah. really.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> so my guest today is Nigel Ung, also known for his comic creation, Uncle Roger. And obviously I could have taken him to a nice Italian or a French restaurant, but nah, that's not going to happen. Uncle Roger is the expert on fried rice, so we have to eat Chinese food. We're standing in the private dining room of a restaurant called Minjiang. It's on the 10th floor of the Royal Garden Hotel in Kensington, newly opened after a refurb. Got a beautiful view out over Hyde Park. And what's more, the food is terrific. I've reviewed it. I've come here on my own dime. It does really good roast duck, brilliant dim sum. And I think Nigel's gonna like it, and he's on his way up in the lift right now. Hi. Nigel. Hi, Jay, nice to meet you. Lovely hey. to meet you. Yeah. Have a seat. Thanks. Have you been to Minjiang before? No, no, I haven't. But does it disappoint you that you've ended up eating Chinese food, or are you actually No, I love Chinese food. I'm
1: stoked, I'm stoked, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's Asian food is the food I'm the most familiar with,
0: you know, so. Uh, and before we order, I have to ask you a question. For anybody you hasn't seen, describe Uncle Roger in character, please. In character, <laughs> you know. Oh, come on, just come briefly. On. Hello, listener of Jay Rayner podcast. This is Uncle
1: Roger. I just regular middle aged Asian uncle who loves Asian food and I complain when people fuck it up. That it? Yeah. You sit there wearing an orange polo shirt. Yeah. Do you have many? Yes. Now I have around eight of them because I tour with, with a shirt, right? So I got to wash them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of The struggle of them. is real.
0: We understand. <laughs> um, cargo pants, one leg up. Mm-hmm. Was this based on anybody that you knew or a particular architect? It's
1: based on the people I saw, the middle-aged Asian men I saw growing up in the Kopitiams in Malaysia. Kopitiam is like a coffee shop, like an Asian coffee shop. The way they talk, the way they insult people, the way they sit, the way they dress, the belt phone case. That's all just from observation. That's a real, real archetype that exists in Asia.
0: I, I was finding it a little hard to work out which was literally the first one, the first Uncle Roger video.
1: Very, very first Uncle Roger video on YouTube yeah. was BBC Food egg fried rice. So you're saying Hersha Patel's egg fried rice recipe. Yes, yes. Oh. Well, I will clarify, it's BBC Foods egg fried rice recipe, but Hersha Patel was a presenter. How would you come across it? A fan of my old podcast sent me the clip and then I was like, oh, this is hilarious. And at that point, my YouTube was only at
0: 7,000 subs. And it should be said, you are now north of 5 million subscribers, yeah. so. Yeah. You're at 7,000 subs. Is this uh, in 2020 or twenty twenty? 2020. 2020, right. It was
1: at around the same time that Uncle Roger idea was bubbling in my head.
0: We should describe what Ahursha Patel's, or the recipe she was presenting, just how bad it was. I mean, it's not just, and it mean, not should be said, you two have now done stuff together. You've taken her to Chinatown. Yeah. Um, and she's very, very funny. Um, and she gives as good as the, she gets. Yes, she is hilarious. She's a
1: great actor and presenter. We actually, the first video we did together was, I went over to her house and she cooked egg fried rice for me, and that was just, I, I felt that was just a really cool moment in internet history because she was getting so much hate. She was getting death threats. Was she really? Yeah, yeah. So we met up for dinner. I just gave her a hug. I'm, I'm so sorry. So we decided, that how do we
0: turn this around? So that her arc was beautiful. So let's go back. First of all, she cooked it in a saucepan, not a rice cooker, and then drained it. Mm-hmm. And it was soggy as hell. Mm-hmm. And then there were loads of other things going on. It was disastrous. Yeah. So you do the, the video um, uh, looking at Hersha's cookery. Mm-hmm. When did you first get a sense that it, something was happening here? I posted a video.
1: One week in, I got 10,000 views, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good, because, you know, every time you get more views than your subs, you're like, oh, that's good. It's two or three weeks in, it, somebody clipped it up, posted it on Twitter. That clip went viral, a couple million views. And then somebody clipped it up, put it on Reddit. That went viral too. Clipped it up, put it on Facebook, went viral. Every platform. And yeah, it just exploded over the course of days and weeks.
0: Do you know what the views are on that first video now? I think 28 million, maybe? That's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot. But I'm intrigued by this idea that actually it was rough for Hersha.
1: It was very rough for Hersha, yeah. When, when the views were going up and every, everything was pouring in, I was like, Ugh. I hope Hersha's okay. I know how mean the internet can be, you know?
0: This is Chun. Hello, hello. Who will be serving Hi. us? Hi. Sparkling, please?
1: Yeah, sparkling, please, yes. Chen yes. is also Malaysian. Oh, nice. Um, Where KL? Uh, Penang. Penang. Good food, please. With him behind on the helm here, it's, we, are, we are in good hands.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, what I was thinking, yes. we have a dim sum list, which we could start with. Do half a duck as a mid course because it's their thing. And then a couple of main dishes. That sounds good to me. What do you fancy from the dim sum list? Cha sao song, the baked cha siu puff, is, yeah. is very good. Uh, I
1: always love the egg tarts. I have a soft spot for it because I grew up eating it like, like a little snack after school. My mom would buy it every day. So okay, we do the minjang steam xiaolongbao. Uh, you know. Oh, I love you, show, like,
0: uh, the soupy dumplings. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anytime you put a restaurant name in a dish, then you have to get it, right? You know, that's how they. That's how they trick
0: you. Um, Can I make a bid for some gao? Yes, please. Some, some prawn gao. Yeah, uh, and then uh, half a duck. Let's do that. That's the main menu. Oh, we have another menu. Uh, just in front of it. Oh, yes, I see. Can I
1: recommend another star at the dim
0: sums? Yes. yes. Um, it's a, a pet fried cake with the eggs sauce. Let's do it. then. Yeah. is good for Nigel to try now. Okay. Let's do it. I probably only need a couple more because there's going to be some egg fried rice. <laughs> yeah, we have to do it. I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which fried rice
1: do you recommend? It depends on what main question you order and then the oh. uh, egg white crab meat fried rice with asparagus. Okay.
0: Quite good. Ooh. Alternatively, if you like spicy, that would be the Ming-Tian uh, uh, salted uh, fish fried rice. Ooh, fish sauce, yeah, let's go with the fish sauce. Yeah. Okay. Should we go for, just because I like the sound of it, the salted king prawns in salted egg yolk with pork floss? Let's do that, yeah. And one beef dish? The uh, okay.
1: Beef with black pepper sauce is our okay. dish.
0: Yeah. How quickly did the Jamie Oliver one <laughs> kick in after that. <laughs> the egg fried rice trilogy,
1: I ca- that's what I call it in my yeah. head. So it's Hersha, uh, BBC food, and then Jamie and then Gordon. Those three hours in, in that month, videos would just get a million views
0: in like two or three hours. The Jamie Oliver one. That egg fried rice recipe just <laughs> shocking. The point when the chili jam goes uh, in. Oh, packet rice,
1: first of all, then chili jam. And then s- starting with, he starts with spring onion. So it's going to wilt. And then he, he puts tofu in, but he just crushes it. Nobody makes tofu like that. The rice was wet, he, he, he was cooking the rice in the pan, and then he just puts it under the faucet, for, for some reason. I can't this <laughs> with sauce and bean sprout.
0: Yes, please. You can and we start. have a lazy Susan, so it comes to you first. Oh, thank you very much. I'm always worried about Susan, that she's been, you know. Co-opted. Well, co-opted, and given a bad rap. Have you had any feedback from from Jamie? Has he ever been in touch or said anything? My agent at the time uh, sent that video to Jamie's team
1: and they said what she heard back was, oh, we saw the video and the quote was, mixed reactions from the team. Mixed reactions (laughs) from the team. And we all know that's a British way of calling someone a cunt, really. (laughs) Yes, it
0: is. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Mixed reactions from the team. Yeah, that's an understated way of saying things. Ah, zialongbao have arrived. Zialongbao with vinegar and ginger perfect. Mmm. And the Mmm, perfect. Which one are we going to spin? You can You can have the hakao first. OK, thank you very much. I mm. do love them. It struck me that when you got to the Gordon Ramsay one, you were almost disappointed because his recipe is bang on. Yeah, yeah, so that's but a little. Did he do nasi goreng or nasi lemak? Nasi, nasi, nasi goreng, nasi goreng. Nasi Indonesian fried rice, yeah. yeah. And pretty much, apart from the fact that he used two walks, yeah. because he's, you know, <laughs> the walk fuck boy. That's what yeah. we call him. So when the Gordon one came out,
1: Gordon's team smart. Gordon put the video out when this whole fried rice thing was super trending.
0: Yeah, That's when he decided yep. to do his own and yep. did, he, did his team then get in touch with you and say do you want to do this no, one? No, his team didn't get in touch. But, but He did it and kind of
1: stood back thinking, how long will this take? Yeah, and people were sending that video to me like crazy. I was like, okay, I have to react to this.
0: And then you ended up doing stuff with him, didn't you? Yeah, we
1: have a show in development with Studio Ramsey. Um, it's not commissioned yet, but hopefully that becomes something. It's an Uncle Roger comedy food travelogue type thing. And that's with his
0: production company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has he been hands-on with that? No, no, not really. I met him
1: in LA in uh, a month ago when I was out there. He asked me to be a guest on Hell's Kitchen. Uh, so that was really, pretty cool. And I decided to go as Uncle Roger because he just fits the vibe better, right? So that, that episode of Hell's Kitchen, the special guests will be Uncle Roger and Tony Hawk.
0: <laughs> uh, I assume that's Tony Hawk, the uh, skateboarder. Yes. We have a Tony Hawk in this country. I mean, in oh. fact, he's Tony Hawk, uh, who is a stand-up comedian. Yeah. <laughs> with the, with the golden one, that, you know, when you saw it, did you think, oh my God, he's got it right, and what am I going to do now? Or did you think, well, fair dudes, I should just give him credit where it's due? You know, as a creator, I was
1: just starting out the journey at the point I was just shooting on back cooking, right? So, When Gordon's came along, I said, okay, he actually cooks well. How can I make this funny? So yeah, that was really cool. But I started the video saying, oh, I'm so disappointed with British chefs. Let's see how Gordon does. I did that on purpose because that gives the character a little bit of an arc throughout the video. You know, as much as I hate doing the fringe, I still picked up a few like narrative techniques and (laughs) storytelling. You hated doing the fringe. I hated it. To me at the time, it feels like something I'm doing because all my peers were doing it. You took one there in twenty nineteen, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But my show was very much a straight stand up, stand up show. You mean you just did jokes? Yeah, yeah. So if you if you go up to the fringe and you do like straight jokes, you you top out with like a three and a half star reviews, middle very middling reviews, which is something I had to live with and be like the very funny thing is they never wrote about how the audience are reacting. They never write about how the audience are reacting. They acting. don't care what the audience is Yeah, thinks. exactly. That you could be killing and crushing, which is comedy lingo for like doing really well. Oh, thank right?
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> so for your audience, for your audience, you. that's so, very helpful.
1: That's I'm, I'm not trying to playing comedy to you, Jay. You know, so it, that was bizarre to me because I was always like the audience comes first. And also from a bigger picture standpoint, it it has no, It doesn't build your profile outside the UK. The Fringe is such an obscure, obscure thing. Nobody in Malaysia has heard of even the city of Edinburgh. So you explain the Edinburgh (laughs) Fringe. Nobody
0: in Malaysia has ever heard of Edinburgh. Well, that's (laughs) fair enough. But what it does do is it can be the launch pad for a career which builds in the UK and then builds internationally. It's what happened with Tim Minchin. If you
1: do well at the Fringe. Yes. yes, Which I won't because of the style of comedy I do. I'll get middling three stars,
0: you know? I'm only going to ask you about this briefly, but you mentioned the whole world and there are big markets and you had, what well, clearly for you was an uncomfortable moment with China. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you drew a video. I John cena myself, essentially. Mickey Chen. Mike Chen. Mike Chen. Had you done a video with him, or was it? So I did a video with him. We reviewed
1: someone making dumplings badly. So I posted that video. And unbeknownst to me, he's like a very, very big anti-China person on, on the internet. I'm on Chinese social media. Posting a video in itself was already viewed as a political act. Unfortunately, so at that point I was already fucked the people who work my Chinese social media. Goes, yeah, don't worry, man Just take it down. I said, like, okay, let's take it down Then so we took it down and then that's when the hate from the West came in So I was like, oh, I didn't know taking it down could lead to war trouble But then by the time it was really taken down. So I'm like, okay, what, what can I do? Now? Just, you can't just put it back down. up again. Yeah, yeah
0: <laughs> so Let's just uh, ride it out. And is it your intention that you just want to avoid political stuff?
1: Yeah, I think, I think so, I, I, I can say that yes, I would like my videos to be first and foremost just comedy about food. And a lot of the times, YouTubers, decide getting political and stuff and I think that alienates a big part of your audience and I don't wanna do that.
0: You know, Every now and then I get myself into political scrapes on getting, Twitter. Get, to um, me, getting canceled is
1: a, it's a marketing opportunity, you know? There's a way to work it.
0: Well, then we're briefly going to discuss this one because Jay, you had should. the Twitter thing with Ukraine recently. Oh, yeah, last week. I have a podcast out today addressing it, saying maybe I'll tour in Ukraine, <laughs> and then people are very cross with you. Yeah. Um, and enough people are very cross with you that you delete it. So the point I'm trying to make
1: in the podcast is, sometimes you know jokes on Twitter, sure, it lacks context, it lacks delivery, it's so short. So sometimes they are actually funny, but they just don't come across as funny, and that and that's fine. You don't have to find every joke I do funny. Anything can be joked about if there's the right angle, there's the right
0: logic, twisted logic behind it. Any topic can be funny. D- did you feel with that one that it was the case that I mean, one of the things with Twitter is you have to react quickly. You can't be slow with a joke on Twitter yep. about an event because there's no point doing it two days later exactly. when the world has moved on. It just became fully absurdist. Instead
1: of it lacks a logic to make the joke better. So when I did, this so you basically saying
0: it was a shit joke
1: and therefore yeah I, yeah. yeah and. As a comic, you used to say a lot of shit jokes, you just edit, right? If a joke's shit, you drop the joke, write new ones, or make the joke better. But I also have people writing in saying that, you should have cut the joke up, bro, because I found it fucking hilarious. <laughs> so you never know with the internet.
0: It is hard though, isn't it? Because that's the world you're engaging in, which is very, very, very fast. Yes. Because there, there are a lot of people in your line of work, uh-huh. uh, comedians, who they hone and hone and hone a piece of material on that hour, is what they then tour for the next two years, yeah. And maybe it does go off in very, but that's what they're holding on to. But your f- level of fame and the whip that goes with it requires something else, an instantly reactive brain. To have a profile on the internet now, you need fast
1: content. You need content out every week, you know, more if possible. Uh, sure, my standup, I consider it slow content. I work on it for a couple of years, then I tour it for a couple of years. I, in my head, there's two types. There's slow content, there's fast content.
0: Oh, the uh, tassie salt, the roast pork, pork
1: pastry, and the chef. you have the
0: secret yam croquette. Okay. Secret yam croquette. Mm. What's the secret? Uh, the secret is the way to deep fry Oh, I see. Oh. So oh. It, it, he wouldn't. He'd, I'd have to kill him to try and get him to tell me how he did that. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, very striking about your stand-up? And I watched a load. of, You know. Oh, sorry, cool. he <laughs> 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 well, you to do that. The very specific details of British life. Mm-hmm. There was um, the bit you did on Butlins. I like doing that bit
1: and um, I haven't done it in a while because now I'm on tour right now and the tour is gonna to be international so I had to drop these very British, quintessential British bits from my act.
0: What happened, did you go to a gig, uh, do a gig at that yeah. Butlins? Butlins Minehead. Yep. Butlins Minehead. Yep, 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 it's all real. Living the dream, Nigel, <laughs> living the dream. I got
1: the gig, I remember it was a weekend at Cardiff Glee. The Glee is a chain of comedy clubs yeah. in Cardiff. So we do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then my agent's like, we can tack on Butlin's Mindhead Sunday lunchtime afternoon. Then I got to Mindhead. And to me, it's like, oh, it's just another British place. I've done like bingo halls. I've done uh, corporates in fancy hotels. I've done I've done the whole gamut. Let's put it this way. I wasn't what they were looking for. Did you die? Oh died horrible death, they're booing me and everything. Like, uh, properly? Yep, yep, I was supposed to do 20 minutes, I lasted eight minutes on stage, that's, that's real, because as a comic, you have to do your time to get paid, so I wanna get paid, so I'm like, I'm sticking out here for 20 minutes, I don't care. So I just, you know, you just soldier on, you just deliver those jokes as if people weren't booing. <laughs> you pretend, and then, but then security was uh, peering up behind the curtain saying like, giving me the cut, cut oh, really? throat sign. Like, so, uh, if they do
0: that, that means they have to pay you? If they pull yeah, you off, yeah.
1: If they pull me off, then they have to pay me. Um, but yeah, security told me to get off the stage. Let me ask you a really blunt question: Do you think it was a racist response? I don't think so. I think when people come together to form a mob and they're all drunk, sometimes they just want to hear something that's that they can get much more easily because, like, the comic before me and the comic after me did great. Would they also? They were British Malay Chinese. No, no, no. Right, right. <laughs> white British militant. I don't think they did well because they're white. It's because their jokes revolve around like, you know, quintessential British life. You know, like Mick Ferry was the MC who went on before me, the host. And he had a joke about, oh, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. You know you grew up in a rough rough neighborhood if you have a fridge in the garden, which is a great joke. I would say my comedy, sure I have a lot of observational stuff, but maybe you you see me on stage, it takes a bit of like, okay, this is different. And then it takes a little bit more effort to try to, when you're drunk, when you're trying to just have a good time, you're trying to shack and a butt by by adults weekend. You, and that's okay, you know? Is it okay? Yeah, it is okay. You like what you like, right? Yeah. yeah. You can't control people's sense of humor and, yeah. Which, which, of the,
0: which one of these do you want to take? The pork puff or the turn of the- I'll uh, take the puff. You can okay. have the, the secret fried yam. The secret fried yam yes. thing, which is spectacular. I'm just yeah. gonna use my all, fingers because otherwise they fall apart. They're all spectacular. Uh, Thank you for bringing me here. My absolute pleasure. You can reach millions, literally millions of people through Instagram, TikTok, mm-hmm. YouTube, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Why go on tour? Which is what you're doing, I and mean, you're doing a big one. I mean, you're American tour. Are you doing three nights in LA? Uh, four shows in LA. Yeah. I think we're adding a fifth one, depending on when this comes out. And how big are the, how big are the houses, just to be absolutely clear? How
1: much, how... I think two of them are smaller, 150. Yeah. And another, The other two are like 400. Right. Yeah, so decent sizes. I'm very happy to be playing them. Stand up is just a different joy—the the live reaction. You know, you can't capture that, like that, that rush from a YouTube video. You know.
0: But it's also what was really striking about it is the international reach. Well, obviously the US, but all over the US.
1: No. You're going to the bit in the middle that most people fly over. Yeah, Chicago and also Dallas, Houston. I sold out Seattle, which was like, wow, okay. Yeah, I'm very grateful. It's insane. I think that's the power of YouTube, right? I've done some British TV stuff like Mock the Week, which I love doing and it's super fun. But then my Malaysian friends want to watch it. I send them the iPlayer link and then I have to teach them how to use a VPN for them to have to watch it. So they can watch it in uh, wherever they happen to be in Malaysia. Mm -hmm. So the beauty of YouTube is that the friction to consuming your content is so low that everybody can watch it all over the world. And the developing world, India, China, more and more people are getting access to the internet, getting access to phones, and there's not a lot of content for those people. You know, especially in the West, nobody's, you know, my, my, I'm not, I don't make content just for those people, but it so happens that a subject material
0: speaks to them. Oh, well, there's a duck work. heading our way. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we have, we're, the duck has been sliced. Thank you very much indeed.
1: You're
0: you. Yeah. Yes. The steamer, that'll be the pancakes. I think we should put it on the lazy Susan too, right? Uh, You're on, yes, I'll put it
1: on. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> Go for it.
0: I love starting with the crispy stuff and the sugar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't get that in many places. Exactly. So it's little bits of the skin from the neck to be dipped in sugar. It's just a flavor bomb, isn't it? Mm -hmm. There's a more general question, which you've sort of addressed, which is, is Uncle Roger a positive image of an Asian man or is it not? I mean, obviously, I think you love Uncle Roger, don't you? Yeah, um, I think, I think it definitely is.
1: I follow a lot of food bloggers online, right, and they talk about cultural appropriation in food. But you mentioned those words, and people just shut off. Nobody wants to hear those. It's, it's academic. It's almost accusatory. It's heavy and it's social justicey and woke and just boring. And people are sick of being told what to. Th- people are sick of being yelled at, essentially. Right. Right. But if I could do it in a fun way you know, which Uncle Roger does, he addresses these kind of cultural appropriation type things, but I do it in a fun way, everybody laughs, even Westerners laugh, right? Mm-hmm. With, with along with everyone, then why not? I, th- I think it's, yeah, it's a positive force. People see how good Asian food can be. You know, when I review chef Wang Kang, you know, the Chinese chef yeah, who yeah. makes egg fried rice. Amazing, and people, a lot of Westerners don't even know of his existence. And they see their skill, they see how much it takes to make every Asian dish. And I hope, I hope it increases the appreciation of it.
0: I'm I'm impressed to see if you can do that one with chopsticks. It's got, oh. I've dropped a few pieces. Yeah, fuck you. You can do it. (laughs) Obviously you were in the US for how many years? Three years? Five years. years, Five Five years. years. Mm -hmm. American Chinese food is very different to British Chinese food, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's stickier, sweeter, bigger portions. I, was, I, went to uni, I went to uni there and the cafeteria, they were just, uh, it's like a, like a buffet system, but you don't get to pick the stuff. They, you say, oh, you want rice, you want meat, and some people just drench soy sauce on the rice. It's, it's a bit grim, it's a bit grim.
0: What do you think of uh, Chinese food here in the UK, the restaurant?
1: It can be grim too. Oh, well, it's true. Not, not, not here. Not, yeah, not, we'd like true. to say
0: Minjang is serving us very, very nice food. We're on to the second serving of the duck. As a stand-up comedian, I've traveled to a lot
1: of British towns. And, yeah, I've eaten a lot of Chinese takeaways all across the country, and I would say, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. It, it fits a purpose, you know, but it's not great.
0: So are there any particular cities outside of London that you're really excitable about if you're gigging in them? London has the best food in all of the UK, hands down. Not, not even a competition.
1: But if I'm in Manchester, I would look forward to it. i will be like, OK, there's good, good restaurants
0: there. Have you seen what's happened to Birmingham's Chinatown? So I went and wrote about... One great Cantonese roast meats place mm-hmm. about six years ago, seven years ago. And it was great. But the Chinatown was a tiny little mall of, I think, eight restaurants. Yep, I'm aware I am know that area, yeah. Then recently, um, it would have been pre-pandemic, actually. I did a show at the Glee in mm. Birmingham. And if you walk from the station to that Glee, you walk through this humongous... Asian restaurant sector, is Sichuan, there's uh, Dongbei. there's mm. Shanghai, there's hot pot places. There's a happy lamb there now, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, yeah, that's right. Now, um, you know, I used to think, oh, Birmingham has <clears throat> this little niche, Chinatown, and now mm. it's got one of the biggest I've ever seen. I need to check it out.
1: Now I have the disposable income to enjoy food, but I don't have the time. So before it
0: was the opposite. Well, this is a tragedy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let, let's put this all in context. You have the disposable income, you don't have the time, but you have a character who's built around enjoying the food, but you can't enjoy the... Well... Nigel, it's, it's a disaster.
1: No, every now and then <laughs> I would DM a restaurant and they would know the character, so they'd be like, you don't have to queue, just, just come. So there's perks as well. Pay your hand, right?
0: <laughs> so uh, the question that uh, a lot of people in my line of work really want to know is, what is on the re- menu that is solely in Chinese?
1: I think I've seen like tiao which is like Buddha jumping over the wall. This, this you have with like Jimmy, right? in your episode. Uh, well, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's,
0: it's a very spendy soup with a bit of
1: abalone in it. Yeah, so. because you put it on, uh, and then maybe they're just lazy. I'll have to explain to this white person what the fuck this is. Oh, they can't be bothered. Um, I've seen Bird's Nest soup uh,
0: at a restaurant in Barnet. Being absolutely clear, this is made with real. Yeah. Bird spittle, basically. Yeah. Mess.
1: And it's, it's very ethical because you're not taking a nest while the birds are still using it. Essentially, you take it after they're done with the nest.
0: So. Yeah, you're clearing the tree yeah. so they can make another nest. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end,
1: what will I become? Saga. Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. I had an experience once with somebody who wanted to, um, like role play, Uh like, um, like with relatives. No. Yes.
0: No. And I couldn't.
1: And I said, I said, um, they wanted. They first said. Da- like dad, daddy. You know, oh, and, and I said, um, well,
0: that's not so bad.
1: But um, so I suggested maybe like, I said, maybe the most I could do is <laughs> uncle.
0: Okay. So that was just a snippet of an episode with actor and podcaster, Justin Long. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson. And I'm telling you, you need to listen to the full episode on my podcast. Dinner's on me. Over a meal at Pine and Crane in downtown LA, we get into his love story with Kate Bosworth, his career and so much more. To listen, just search Dinners On Me wherever you listen to podcasts. Another subject I, I did want to raise with you, because um, mm-hmm. you talked about you were beaten up in last year. Hmm. Yeah. You seemed rather kind of almost not accepting, but shit happens. And I was making jokes about it. Was that your response that it's all material? And what, the, what this guy doesn't know is I'm now going to monetize his, his racist attack on me. I have a marketer's brain. I think deep down I have a
1: marketer's brain. I think most YouTubers do. And I, I also think that's just how I deal with grief and
0: terrible things that happen in your life, you know. just make find the funny in it. Hadn't you just been fitted for Invisalign uh, aligners to straighten your teeth? Was that the thing you were most concerned about? That the bastard might have knocked your teeth out of alignment?
1: At first, when he started punching me and the punches weren't that lethal and weren't landing that much so at first i was just in fear but then as soon as the punches i realized oh he's he's a little bit drunk and maybe on some sort of drug he's not that scary then in my head as i was getting punched i was like ah shit, my teeth because as a kid i broke one of my front teeth the amount of like pain and, and inconvenience it caused me. Just, I was just, oh, so sick of this. I had to wear like a denture. It's like it's like an old person thing. you have to buy denture glue. No 26 year old should be buying denture glue. No. Just, yeah, it's, it's really sad. And then you, your guests come, you just put it somewhere they like, they they're, they're feel weird about it. Oh, I see your denture here. You take it out, you look like a homeless pirate with that big hole in your mouth. So. I just didn't want to go through all that shit again. And dentures take ages to... the, the uh, They have to do an implant at the end, and they take ages. They have to drill the thing down. In six months, you have to wear a denture again. Yeah. In my head, I was like, oh, God. Am I going to have to wear another denture? I'm sitting here thinking,
0: Nigel has material on dentures in his show. Oh, I should, actually. <laughs> Fuck, yeah, I should, I should. <laughs> How far can you take this?
1: How much mileage is there in Uncle Roger? People are always going to make Recipe videos. There's always gonna be bad cooking. So I think I think there's still a lot of dishes I have yet to review and I can even branch out to you know non-Asian stuff Western Western stuff
0: uh, So that I, would require uh t- cojones on the part of uh, Uncle Roger, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, but you know most things
1: you, you put putting yourself on the internet requires balls and I've been putting out so much stuff So I think I have the courage, you know
0: there, oh. is a, there is a point, though, and actually, you know, the cultural appropriation thing that you say, uh-huh. um, subject in the food world in which I move, which is, uh, is it authentic? Is there a right way to do these things? If you are a cook from Malaysia and you cook this
1: dish and you bring that dish to another state in Malaysia, people there will say, well, this is not authentic, it doesn't taste like the stuff I had growing up. So the word authentic is just, is not a very useful word to use when it comes to describing food. Does it matter to make it right? And again, it depends what you mean by right. There's surely that there's a traditional way to do it. And there are ways to, and it's traditional for a reason. It's been perfected over the centuries and stuff. But are there ways to deviate from tradition and still make it good? Yes. Are there respectful ways to do it? Yes. Are there shitty ways to do it? Yes. So I think it, everything is, it depends on the context on the chef, on, on the intention, on the
0: everything. Do you get people emailing you saying you must try my fried rice? Yeah, yeah, usually. Yeah, you, you've got a face which is kind of, yeah, and it's a real track. <laughs> Actually, stop for a second because uh, some fried rice is entering the room.
1: Yes. We have the prawn with salted egg yolk. And ah, salted
0: egg is <laughs> the new craze, isn't it? It is.
1: And mm. that's the beef with black pepper sauce. Mmm. Minjiang fried
0: rice with salted fish. Salted fish sauce, okay. Mm-hmm. I'll send these round, but I am gonna just demand that you try this and, you know, give my live review. Yeah, yeah.
1: Texture's good. The rice isn't clumping together. So you know it's cooked with the high heat. The egg is very like, very fine and nicely mixed through. So that, that takes a bit of skill because when, you know, sometimes I make egg fried rice and it's just clumpy. The eggs are clumpy. The spice is a nice touch. You know, usually when you have like,
0: there's quite a bit of heat on the end there, isn't mm-hmm. it, it comes in.
1: The flavor is good. You know, when you order egg fried rice from a Chinese takeaway, it just feels like plain rice doesn't it it does sometimes it just yeah. looks slightly yellower but it tastes like plain rice because they skimp on the, the soy sauce skimp on the shallots garlic maybe
0: but this, this is good this is good well frankly now that i've had a nudge long re- review mm-hmm. of uh fried rice i insist that i get at least two million listens
1: <laughs> to <laughs> this episode
0: uncle roger has expanded into the world isn't it true that he became a, a halloween character
1: People dressed up as Uncle Roger, they wear the orange polo. Some of them, if they're a couple, they'll go out as, the guy will go out as Uncle Roger, the woman will go out as, as a bag of MSG. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect couple. I blew up in like around September time. So 2020, October, I was like, I'm gonna do a Halloween video. I'm gonna review Uncle Roger Halloween costume. So email them in. So the whole world- is. It's just amazingly
0: quick, isn't it? Hmm? You know, if it all blew up in September 2020, Six weeks later, people are dressing like you're on the street? Things happen fast on the internet. I have to say, it's amazing that you're not a complete megalomaniac psychopath. But Lin's mind head grounds you, you know, (laughs) as far as I shit, as much as I shit on it.
1: I do, That did have to specify that if you dress up as Uncle Roger and you're white, just
0: try to not do the accent. Well, that's the thing, were were the people who are dressing up as Uncle Roger, were they of Chinese descent or were they all? All races, you know, Asians,
1: Chinese, Taiwanese, Korean, uh, white people, black people, everybody.
0: It's all love, right? Well, look, as we continue eating our main courses, mm-hmm. I will say, Nigel Ong, thank you very much for letting me take you out to lunch. Of course, thanks, Jay. And for letting me meet Uncle Roger in the flesh. Kind of.
1: <laughs>
0: I what have bought my orange polo, but yeah, you don't know, well, you know, do know, video anyway, it, it, so. Yeah, it's audio, so nobody knows. <laughs> I'm very glad Nigel liked the food at Minjiang, which is located on the top floor of the Royal Garden Hotel in London's Kensington. Nigel's world tour is entitled The Hayah. He is performing at London's Hammersmith Apollo for the first time on the 2nd of February, 2023. Tickets can be found at livenation.co.uk. Nigel also has his own comedy podcast, Hayah, with Nigel Ung, and has recently released a sketch show series with Comedy Central called East Mode. If you love the show, do please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please do share this episode by email or simply showing your friends how to listen on their podcast app. Uh, Also, if you comment and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, it will help us to make more and make me feel better about myself, which is, I know exactly what you want. Out to Lunch is a Something Else and Jay Rayner production. The music was written, arranged and performed by me, Jay Rayner and Robert Rickenberg. The recording and mix engineer was Josh Gibbs. Assistant producers are Anya Das and Bethany Hocken. The producer is Selina Rehm and the executive producer is Darby Doris. Next time, it's Madness frontman and raconteur extraordinaire it sucks And Leo saxophone player used to bunk in, and one time he got into the window into Ian Jury's dressing room. It was one of those windows, I, had, I can't describe it, but a little prongle at the bottom, you know, that you can sort of open and close. Yeah. But as he got in, he got caught, his turn-up of his jeans got caught in the prongle, and he was dangling upside that's down. A, that's a late <laughs> 70s problem, if ever I heard one. <laughs>